0: A Pope MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on BMX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. original moto podcast featuring legends of the past stars of today season previews and race reviews introspection opinion facts and laughs here's your host steve mathis
1: welcome everybody to the fly racing racer x podcast presented by alpine stars for text thanks for listening appreciate it this is the red bud wrap-up And, yes, I'm on a phone. This is Steve Mathis. Thanks to the folks at FlyRacing.com for supporting this show. We just went to the 2018 launch. It's fantastic. You guys will see the gear soon. Thanks to the folks at FlyRacing.com for everything. Blake Baggett wearing Fly Racing. And a bit of a controversy with Blake Baggett this weekend. Weston Pike Fly Racing as well. And uh, please check them out on the Internet. They got much more than you uh, realize. FlyRacing.com. Also presented by Alpine Star Protects. Uh, whether it's the knee brace, the neck brace, the real cool uh, uh, protection line that they have. They're much more than boots. Everybody thinks about the Tech 8 and the Tech 10s and the Tech 7s and everything else, but Alpine Star Protects, please check them out. Uh, They've got a whole line for you, for you guys to wear, and uh, we thank everybody for listening. Again, I'm Steve Mathis, all the way from Winnipeg, Canada, on vacation here, but still pounding on a podcast for you people. That's right. It's about time you maybe finally, finally appreciate me. With me on the line, two time German Supercross champion, two time Montreal Supercross Champion, the Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? Not too much. Can we get a uh, can we get a Deb update? How's she doing? Uh Deb is fine. Yeah, Deb is good. I have just wrapped up uh three games of chess. Uh one with my eleven year old niece that took me down right away. Mm-hmm. One with my twelve year old niece. That went down to the wire. I had a lot more pieces left than her, but then I made a dumb move, and she took it. She took the game. And then uh, I played my brother, who's uh, three years older than me, and I beat him. So uh, that's how it goes. Huh. And Deb is good. Deb wanted me to bring her cheap smokes, and uh, I didn't do it. You know you no cheap smokes? Oh, man. What a letdown. I didn't see anything. Fact, never uh, yeah, chess. she's upset.
2: I don't know how to play chess. I don't know how to play chess. Yeah. So uh, I would have lost miserably.
1: Um, yeah, no, checkers, I hadn't played in a long time.
2: So I, it was good. I got anything you want to checkers.
1: Oh really? Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Oh my. Uh, all right, Jason Wygant. Jason Wygant may join us here. We don't know. Yeah, I'm hoping he comes
2: but, in. It's never the same without Weech.
1: No, no. As, as we've said a few times, thanks to Travis Marks for manning the studio for this podcast. By the way, thank you, Travis. Um, all right, let's get into the red butt, JT. Here we go. Uh, so Tomac wins again, 1-1. And we keep saying every week that we haven't seen these guys match up. And each week, one of the guys has a semi-legit reason on why, you know, he got beat and something to go to bed at night thinking, ah, if this and this wouldn't have happened, um, you know, I had it. It hasn't been any, like, just straight-up wins. Uh, but it kind of it was for Tomac. I mean, he passed Blake Baggett in that first moto, and he took off, and he took the win. But Baggett's charge at the end of that moto was phenomenal. So, you know, Baggett can be like, wow, well, another lap or two, I might have had him. Second moto, Baggett got the whole shot. And, and as we'll talk about, Anderson uh, made sure he, that that didn't last long. And then Blake was sort of screwed from there. Um, and Tomac went on to win, of course. But you know what I mean, JT? Like, Baggett can look at that first model and be like, yeah, it's it's still okay. It's fine. I mean, he lost the red plate, but it's not the end of the world.
2: Yeah, I mean, holy crap, what a race that was. Uh, and he won. He, he made moves at the beginning and got to the front, and Blake... Um, as Blake has done, you know, wasn't uh, wasn't as good at the beginning, and, and Eli deserved to win. But man, what a race! Blake showed a lot of resolve to fight back. His last what three to four laps were simply incredible. I mean, he was reeling Eli in. It wasn't huge chunks of time, you know, half a second a lap or something. But man, that was impressive. It was uh, it was reminiscent of uh, you know Blake Baggett's prime 250 days. And uh, you know we didn't get to see them really square off. Like there were no you know passes or any, any moves, but it kind of showed both of their top end level. And I was uh, I seriously was watching on the couch with my jaw you know dropped. I was uh, I was simply mm-hmm. blown away how fast they were going.
1: So if you're Blake, you can say like, "Oh yeah, that charge was great. I made up about four or five seconds on Eli."
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, both of them probably went to their trucks, being like, "Well, that was pretty sweet." You know, Eli's like, mm-hmm. "I made a three-point, mm-hmm. the one one-point series now," and then Blake was like, "Yeah, you know, I I struggled at the beginning, but I was catching him. You know, I was faster than him." And both of yep. them yep. really are right, you know, <laughs> but they both probably mm-hmm. were happy about how it went.
1: Um, Tomac after the race was, uh, I, I you know, I mentioned uh, Baggett catching him, and uh, he said he had some bad luck with lappers. And he did. He truthfully did. I saw a few times that he had some problems with lappers. Um, so, again, I told me I can be like, yeah, without the lappers, he didn't come close to me, you know? And at the end, the yeah. is the one holding the red plate and the 1-1. So.
2: Yep. Yep. I don't think he was wrong. He did have some bad luck, but I do think Blake had a little bit more pace at the very end. Uh, it wasn't a lot, like I said, you know, three point three to 0.5 a lap. Um and their their pace over anyone else was just incredibly uh, faster. So uh, I can understand Eli. And you're always going to get biased answers from each side. They're they're going to spin it to however they need to spin it. You know. Um, so I don't think Eli's wrong in that assessment. But I don't think Blake would be wrong saying, yeah. I mean, I was I was faster than him at the end. So that's uh, it's interesting. I, I think that's a common theme we've seen. Whether it's uh, Dungy and Vilpoto or Stu and Carmichael or Reed and Carmichael, there's always going to be spin put on mm-hmm. any type of scenario, and, and that's just another example of it.
1: Um, yeah, that's that's 2017 in a nutshell in the world, uh, the world of spin, right? Uh, James Stewart right. rides uh, World Supercross Rounds and the Supercross Rounds and beats Ricky, but then it's uh, oh, I wasn't really trying in the World Rounds. We've seen it, like you said, over and over from riders. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What- <laughs> Oh, it's 2003 in 2003, you know, Carmichael was basically
2: saying I was just, you know, I was just coasting into the title and then Reed saying, well, yeah, I sorted some things out, but I was clearly a better better at the end, you know. It's just, which side are you on and yeah. what do you want to believe?
1: All right, so Baggett's got a thumb injury after the crash of the second moto. Definitely something bothered him. He made it all the way up to 10th, and that's great, but he wasn't as fast as the second moto. Um, do you know the extent of the injury, JT? Do you, can you – anything we, that you can tell us?
2: Uh, I've heard sprained and I've heard broken. Um, I, I don't know which is is accurate. I do know that he he's still got even down to like a 205 in the second moto. Uh, that's going to be adrenaline. So, you know, I, I don't know the extent of it. I haven't seen an x-ray or anything like that. Uh, but I do know that if you're able to go – he has, I think, second or third – fastest lap of the race in traffic if you're able to go that fast um typically you're going to be able to get through you know the next weekend it, it, it may be a situation where it gets a lot worse uh last night and today um mm-hmm. but you know he, I'm specialist in doctors but i i don't expect to see him out by any means that's not a vibe i've got from the team at all is that he's going to miss any time
1: all right so our group text has been buzzing with the Jason Anderson move on Blake Baggett, you're not a fan, J.T. You're not a fan.
2: Um, you know I, I'm not, but I'm not raving that it was crazy, dirty, or anything like that. I'm, I'm really not. Um, the only thing I really had objection to was G.L.'s assessment that it was completely just circumstance, and that's it. Uh, because I don't, I don't subscribe to that belief. I think Anderson knew what he was doing. I think he did a great job of making it as uh, incidental as possible. But I know there's a lot of bad blood between those two. I know that you know there's been a lot of words thrown around, and and even going back to Supercross and and Amateur Day, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really bad for a long time. Um, so I think Anderson saw a chance to, I don't know, necessarily knock him down. Is is the term I would use at all? But to definitely, you know, um, slow down a bit. And the biggest thing is he checked up. He he slowed down at the apex. Uh, I did did the stopwatch lap after lap because they showed Jason Anderson for the first five to seven laps go through that section every time. So I I had a a stopwatch out, seeing what the times were, and uh, he was markedly slower on the first lap than any other lap on record. So when you watch it, when he finally gets to the apex where he pivots, he, he checks up. I mean, there's there's zero percent that anyone could ever convince me otherwise. Uh, I think he was waiting, kind of. He knew when Blake was going to come back into that line, and he was kind of waiting for Blake to to make that move. Uh, whether he wanted him to actually crash, that's that's not what I'm arguing at all because I, I don't really care about that. My real argument was that GL was just saying, yeah, he didn't. He was, you know, it was just a racing thing, and they came together, and Jason had no intention of doing anything. And uh, I would vehemently to disagree with that statement.
1: Yeah, Anderson finds himself in a lot of situations that, you know, he doesn't mean he doesn't mean, but it's always the same guy. So I'm with you. I I I uh, you can't say there was no intent there. You can't say that. I don't think. But right. I don't yeah. think Anderson's like, hey, I'm gonna knock him down, or you know what I mean. No, like that. no I I would agree. Hundred percent. What about this, though, JT? Like, can ability that Roger DeCoster pulls Bobby Hewitt and Jason Anderson aside and reminds them what they're doing?
2: Uh, I would say pretty high at this point.
1: Right? I mean... Yep. Okay, Anderson yep. is definitely... I would, I would say know, pretty he's, high. He, he's he's uh, made a few comments towards Blake on social media. It's obvious he's not a fan, and I understand all of that, but... Um, you know, I, Rogers made no no. You know, we saw in the end of Supercross that the Husky guys are there to help KTM if it comes down to it, and vice versa if it was a Husky guy. So, if I'm Roger, I'm saying, "Dude, what are you doing?"
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, without giving away too much. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen, or has happened, or will happen, or has happened. Uh, but I can I go to sleep knowing full well that uh, that was not a kosher move by Anderson on a, you know, fellow KTM sister company yeah. points leader type deal.
1: Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting for sure. Now if Blake doesn't go down there, Tomac's like what? Fifth, something like that. Um, right. yep. in front of him. Anderson's in front of him. Um, maybe somebody else, maybe, maybe Pike or Grant. Um, so oh, Baggett could very well have gone on to win that moto and gone two one on the day, and, and that goes one two. Maybe, maybe I,
2: I don't know. I mean, it was the same situation as the first moto, right? I mean, UI came up and passed him in the first moto too. So I'm not I'm not so much on board with that because UI's times were incredibly good and, and solid all the way to the end of the second moto. He was still doing two o sixes and two o sevens late into that moto when no one else was even close to those times so I'm not necessarily ready to say that because to me, it was kind of the same scenario as the first moto where Eli just had the pace to, to get around everyone. Um, you know, I think Eli earned every bit of that one, one, and he should be he should be proud of it. So no, yeah, I just, I, I know we texted about it a little bit saying, you know, maybe Blake wins that moto. And, and I don't know, maybe it's possible, but I think uh, well, I think Blake could, or Eli could easily say, I was just going to do the same thing as the first moto.
1: Yeah, maybe. I just think that uh, Eli would have had a harder time getting through guys. You know, it's funny. It's We just talked about track prep last week and how Muddy Creek was rolled and packed, and it didn't get that rough, and everybody went fast. And it was quite a change from the first uh, four rounds of the series. This round was almost its own unique animal. It wasn't packed and sealed and did get rough but didn't get into all the ruts and everything. But the riders I talked to said it was hard to pass. And Tomac in the second moto said like he had to work on setting Anderson and and Barsha up and and Barsha went down and and did the job for him. But he said he honestly kind of didn't know where he was going to make the pass. It wasn't easy to get by. So kind of going off of that, JT, I just thought that, you know, that would kind of hold up. Faggot would get away while Tomac had to work with Barsha and Anderson who, by the way, are not easy guys to get by, you know? So, but hey, yeah, whatever, ifs and buts, right?
2: Yeah, we, we talked about this a little bit on Thursday, and uh, I was kind of sharing my opinion that red butt is, is always kind of difficult to pass because many of the lines, they they branch out, but then they funnel back into one. So you come out of a rut, there's seven lines up a hill or down a straightaway, but then that those lines funnel back to one fast line in the turn. So it's really tough to make up enough ground in that short straightaway or up a hill to beat them to the rut. Uh, And I faced that in my own racing career. I can remember following guys that were much slower than me on the stopwatch, but I just couldn't find a way around them. They were good enough where they needed to be good to hold me back. And uh, I think that's what, you know, Barsha was was doing in the first half of that second moto. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Redbud is – I think it's one of the best tracks, but like you said, it's, it's difficult to pass. The interesting thing with, you know, Baggett though, is he should have never been in that situation. I mean, he, he got the hole shot, like a pretty substantial hole shot. Like he had a couple bike links going into the second turn and yet he allowed Barsha to get by, which is, I mean, that's just a cardinal sin letting Barsha by on the first lap because you know how difficult he's going to make your life. And then Anderson gets by him too, which is, I you know maybe the same thing you know Anderson is so tough to pass and you know he doesn't like you so he's going to make it even more difficult. Uh, that's you know and that, that's I think that's the missing ingredient for Baggett right now is that first lap if not first couple of laps of pace where he's opening the door for trouble and you know if, if he gets the whole shot like he did and he puts in a really really strong first lap and, and builds even a, a two bike length gap where he can't. He's not opening the door to people taking pot shots at him. His life is so much easier. But when you lose, you go from first to third in the first three turns to very, very difficult people to deal with. It just makes everything much more, you know, much murkier and and opens the door for things to happen, just like it did with Anderson.
1: But on the positive side for Anderson, that first motor ride was phenomenal. Yeah, I
2: mean, Anderson didn't run well. I mean, he's had several strong weekends here in a row. Uh, his Muddy Creek first moto and second moto were phenomenal. So I think this is the new normal for Anderson. I don't know that he has enough to beat Tomac in a heads-up battle,
1: which we just saw, uh,
2: but he, I think he's here to stay as far as a podium
1: contender. Dude, he was ripping. Did, I didn't watch the race yet, um, obviously traveling all day, and I'm up here with family, but... Now, did he tip over in the first turn, or did he just get caught up in it? In the first turn, first moto crash. Pickle went down. Uh, went I down. don't
2: remember seeing him on the ground, but I'd have to go back and
1: watch. Because he was way back, obviously. He got caught up into it, and, dude, he was flying through the pack. Was, yeah, th- ride, there man. were
2: two different crashes. There was, there was the Canard crash, and then there was the big one with Webb, and... I couldn't really tell. There was so much happening so fast. I'm assuming I got caught up to one of those, but I don't know for sure.
1: Um, Marvin's back. I guess his knee's good. He said he he can practice for the first time um, now. This week he practiced before the race since he heard it. And uh, 3-3 on the day. Uh, He wasn't on the level of Tomac Anderson and Baggett, but he was better than the rest. And I guess he'll get better from here on out.
0: Yeah,
2: he, he was fine. You know, it, it might be a little bit, a little too little too late as far as the championship goes, which is, you know, it's got to be disappointing for him because let's remember as he, he went into you know, Saturday, two days removed from the injury with the red plate. So, uh, we've since raced three rounds and now he's, uh, I don't, I don't have the points in front of me, but it's got to be 40 to 50 points out of this thing now. Um, so that's, that's got to be really frustrating. He made mention of it on TV, basically saying it was it ruined his whole season, which I would have to agree with. But on the plus side of that, you know, obviously for him and for KTM and, and everyone involved, you know, uh, him out there going three three, whether the points matter or not is much better than uh, sitting at home recovering after, you know, knee surgery.
1: He's 40 points down on Tomas, so and he's got to jump, you know, two other guys. So, yeah, he's yeah. not looking so good. Uh, But it's good to see Marv, yeah, Um, um, back at it, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean,
2: (laughs) I think he's a great addition to the series. It's just a bummer that he would be such an addition to this title fight. We have so much drama around this title, and now you have the 13-point lead. But if you take the knee injury out, I think think there's three guys within 13 points.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Josh Grant was out told Cal he was out the press release came that said he was out, and he rode and said he was good, and he was back in and ten five on the day um so good for grant Barsha uh went down in the second modal while he was uh leading and but still had a good day for fifth overall, so two guys j t that you know you wouldn't really necessarily because grant was supposed to be out, and Barsha hasn't been that great, so two but two guys had good red butts
2: yeah i mean j g is is really known for doing well at Red Bud. and I think he rode Tuesday, and it was, wasn't was good, and then, so they put the PR out, and then he rode again Thursday, and was so great, so then he ended up deciding to race, which is cool. Um, you got to remember, JG, you know, won here before, and then Barsha won here uh, two years ago, so uh, both of these guys, you know, have a strong resume from the Red Bud track, so it's not that shocking that they would have decent days here.
1: And uh, Christian Craig, hole shot, led three laps, got fifth in the first moto. What he can do. It's cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, the guy's got so much freaking talent, you know, <laughs> it's crazy. He doesn't practice starts at all. He actually refuses to practice starts and he's such a great starter. Um, whole shot the first moto easily. And then the second moto, uh, I don't know what he did, but he was like 20th or something off the start. So he obviously screwed that one up, but, uh, going in, talked to some people that said the first moto was going to be good and the second moto was going to be a struggle. Uh, and he was actually okay in the second moto. You know, he, he yeah. was able to un, unable to hold off uh, Baggett at the end. Uh, and then, you know, Kennard was right in front of him as well. So there was kind of a, a battle of two guys just suffering there with Kennard and Craig. Um, but, I mean, your first race back, you've missed a couple. You haven't really got a ton of motos in this year because he got hurt at the second race so uh, five twelve is uh I think a pretty strong pretty strong race, especially when you're just a fill-in guy to start with
1: hey, you know who's kind of gone quiet lately is Dino like eight eight nothing wrong with that um, Kind of gone quiet though from wilson we everybody's had their moments shine. We just talked about Grant and Craig and Barsha uh, all shined in recent weeks bogle Wanamoto, he he shined um really hasn't really hike fourth overall last week, uh, Dino's kind of, maybe things are catching up to him, JT. The guy hasn't done a full race season in 450s ever. So, um, you know, again, nothing wrong with an 8-8, but I'm still waiting for some breakout moments.
2: Yeah, that's weird with Dean because, you know, we had the running joke of we can work with speed because Dino also always had the speed just, you know, mm-hmm. in spades, right? Uh, but if you look at his results this season, he's been the picture of consistency. He's been one of, if not the most consistent guys, if you remove you know, the, the points leaders. Uh, he hasn't had any DNFs. He hasn't had any motos outside of the top ten that I can remember. Every moto has been somewhere between like four and eight. And I, you know, I think he had one ninth in there maybe. Uh, but I was looking at his points going into the weekend, and it was every moto was like 14, 12, 14, 12, 12, 14, He's been right in that seven to nine range and then he just you know he did it again this weekend with an eight eight. So I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a little confused on how I feel about it. Uh you'd love for him, you know, he got that fourth overall at the first round and he was right up there, but his moto results wasn't like he went four four or anything, you know. Um he was right. in the mix of like five guys battling for the you know, four through nine positions. Uh so he hasn't had that blazing moment where he goes out and Leads a moto a la uh, Mitchell Harrison in the 250 class this weekend or something. But he's getting solid results. You know, he already signed his Husky deal for, for 2018 and beyond. Um, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but you're just hoping one of these motos he grabs a whole shot and we can kind of see him uncork one and see what he's got.
1: So where do you stand on the Baggett Tomac points battle now? Um, it is uh, 13 points for Tomac. Can Baggett get this back? Well,
2: well, clearly, I mean, I think the ball was in Eli's court. you know he's going into going into a weekend where he went one one last year and just dominated um you know Ken Roxman probably uh hate me for for saying that, but I mean it was one of eli's best race, or best races of the year last year uh he's got a thirteen point lead Blake's dealing with some sort of injury that we don't know the extent of, and we're going into one of eli's best tracks so when you look at those three factors, a lead, an injury to your rival, and your head to your best race, I mean, the picture looks like he's going to add to it yeah. leaving Southwick. So we'll have to see, but it's certainly uh, the bleakest of, uh, you know, maybe since leaving Hangtown for, for guess, as far as the points go.
1: Shocker. Things are tense between the Cowie and uh, Rocky Mountain KTM guys, too. Love it. always happens like clockwork right like just like clockwork
2: yeah i mean you got some emotional people that are highly invested and you know they're they're not scared to vocally cheer for their guy so it's it's normal i mean that's just gonna happen
1: yeah no i love it and it happens every single year and and all the time so um things get much worse for Cooper webb right now uh, the Yamaha guys I talked to after the race that his lit pro had something like hitting the ground with 5 Gs or something. He pulled 5 Gs when he hit the ground. Or I, I don't know how they, I didn't know they could measure that, but um, it's bad. It's so bad right now for Cooper Webb.
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I, I've never had anything tell me how hard I crashed and then tell me how many G-forges I pulled, so. That's yeah, kind of a I, I, pie in the sky number for me. You know, what I mean, I don't, I don't know how to relate that to anything. Right. Uh, but I did see the crash, and I know <clears throat> anytime you hit the ground and you bounce, you know, your body physically <laughs> bounces. That's that's gonna leave a mark. So I'm sure he wasn't yeah. feeling great. Um, I've done it. You usually, have the wind knocked out of you, and you're usually pretty beat up because your body's not meant to bounce like a beach ball.
1: Um, Nick Lay was back. Oh, Nick way, so uh, good. Him, him and Tedder, the guy he coaches, in the second moto, were slamming each other. And Nick said that Nick said that he's always on Dakota to put more tear offs on his goggles, and Dakota refuses. He always just puts fourteen on. So Nick said, "All right, I'm going to show him." He said he was roosting him on purpose, hoping he was out of tear offs. <laughs> <laughs> What? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, yeah.
2: there's there hasn't been many opportunities in the history, of, or my you know, twenty five or thirty five years, whatever, from my uh, conscious history of racing memories have been that I've seen trainer and rider square off at a national. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the cool scenario, um, you know, the interesting <laughs> when I was looking at or listening to the broadcast on the app. They uh, they said Dakota Tetter from Surfside, California, and I just thought, could there be a more fitting city for Dakota Tetter to be from than than Surfside, California? And I know that doesn't mean anything in this Nick Way talk, but it just caught me. as so fitting for uh, for Dakota Tetter.
1: Uh, yeah, Way Way went twenty two twenty. He was tenth in the first moto, and he told me like, "This is so classic Way JT. He was like, you know. My bike's not not necessarily set up to go 10th-place speed. I'm just like, what, you, what does that even mean? I mean, I know what it means. It means, you know, he's pushing hard and his bike is doing weird things. He didn't want to cartwheel down a hill, you know, basically is what he said. But it's just such a nickel yep. thing. I love it. So
2: Yeah, it is. And I think he's alluding to just for the people at home that are probably like, what would he even mean there? Generally, the faster you go, the stiffer you need it to be. Um, just for instance, I – was going my speed in certain years, and that would be, you know, whatever, 9 through 14, 15, whatever. Um, and then if you put Burner or Chad or somebody on it, they would be like, man, how do you ride it it's so soft? Because they would go, you know, multiple seconds a yeah. lap faster, and that requires more stiffness for the bike to be able to withstand that speed. So I'm sure that's probably what he meant, but it's, that is such a Nick Way thing to say. Absolutely, I would agree.
1: Oh, yeah, I love it. He said that uh, Tedder was never going to be more motivated than Red Bud Weekend. So.
2: <laughs> so well, I yeah. I mean, you're 37 year old trainer that comes off the couch. Like you can't have him beat you.
1: Right, right. Um, so, anyways, twenty twenty two twenty for the NYK. Good to see him out there.
2: It was great. Yeah, I you mean, know, if you're maybe, if you're the guys in if you're in twenty. Third, 24, 25 and Nick Way you and, and I went through this because I was battling with Guy Cooper in 2002 he was on a 540 KTM it was like the fastest motorcycle I'd ever been around in my life it was basically like riding a Hayabusa he had whole shot's for
1: a day I remember year, whole
2: show. yeah, whole shot like every race and I remember battling with him I like this guy cannot beat me, and he beat me several times but I was just mortified that he was beating me
1: um yeah, well, Jeremy Smith, who had a really good race, 20, 2021, was caught and passed by Nick in the second moto. And I'm sure he was like, oh, my God, Nick Ways just caught me, and reeled real man, at 37, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll have uh, I'll have
2: my opinion to share about Jeremy Smith on, uh, on our fantasy podcast, but I'll save that for later.
1: Oh, here we go. Uh, I talked to Henry Miller, 12-16. Uh, he was uh, actually higher than that in the second moto and uh, crashed. And he just said he could not keep a 2BDF together, uh, dumping money, money and money into a 2BDF to try to, you know, keep it on that limit to uh, to compete. And so he said I couldn't afford it, so I got a 450. And uh, I told him, yeah, that more more of you guys should do that. Um, and, and right now Henry Miller's doing pretty good. 14 points on the day. He's already, uh, I want to say, I think he's in the top 20 in points already. Um, so good job for Henry Miller.
2: Yeah, it's riding well. I mean, I, I can understand the 250F thing. You know, the the equipment in the 250F class is is a huge deal. You know, if you look at the horsepower gains from a stock 250F engine to a works, you're a you know production rule works uh, like Pro Circuit or Star Racing Yamaha. Pick whatever bike fast bike you want. It's a massive, massive jump. I mean, it's just huge. So those guys are basically throwing everything they can at it and when you start throwing things at the engine you take down reliability and when you can't afford to replace everything every time you go out you're opening the door for failure so the 450s if you go buy a stock ktm 450 you're 58 horsepower you know right off the bat so it doesn't take much to to have a highly competitive machine uh i think henry miller's on a honda i believe uh, i think it's white though so i can't really tell uh, but uh, I mean those bikes are oh in yeah. oh, a Yamaha. Okay. Yamaha um Yeah, yeah but the, okay, same thing. Stock Yamaha is fifty eight plus horsepower right out of the box. So throw exhaust on it, you know, maybe maybe mess with the ECU or whatever if you want to, but you have a you have a super competitive machine right out of the showroom door. So it's uh it makes sense. I, I totally get it. I've been there, I've done it, I lived that situation myself where I couldn't get a fast enough one twenty five but I could ride a stock 250, and it was really came down to more talent than anything at that point.
1: All right. Hey, let's uh, let's bring our own Jason Wygant into this podcast discussion and uh, get his take on everything. Um, one last point on Henry Miller, uh, JT. Uh, I think this is why maybe sometimes I don't realize, like, the things I say could be hurtful to people, you know? Um, as I was talking to Henry, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you should be in 450s. Like, dude, you're never gonna get a pro circuit ride. The dream is over. So go ahead and try to make money. And I think he looked at me like, "What? My dream is over? What?"
2: <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been racing very long. I think it's his second my year. My point
1: is that my point is like the first money in Supercross is so bad. You're, you're you're not Peyton is not picking you up, and so it's over. So try to try to make money. And I think Henry's a good dude, and maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I think Miller was like. My dream is over.
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily subscribe to that. I think uh, riding 250 Supercross is definitely the best move for him because I do think, no. I do think no. you could get a, a 250 Supercross ride if he did well. Uh, but I think I do agree with you on the outdoor engine issue. If you want to be out there racing outdoors in its current form, to ride a 450. But I still, I still think he should be running Supercross because I think there's potential to do well, and there are teams that always need riders.
1: All right. Uh, with that, let's bring in the uh, third amigo who was busy uh, when we started this, but uh, uh, he's he's there. He is the uh, Race Rex Online Editor. He's the voice of American Motocross. He is. Mason
0: Wagon. What's up, Weege? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'm here. Thanks to Marks for, for running he's this back. thing, right? Marks. That's amazing. I don't even. I don't even. You'd have to draw a schematic for me to even figure out technology that you're using to make this show work right now. I don't even get it.
1: Yeah. Um. He, he's super smart.
0: He'll figure it out. Okay. So. Uh,
1: uh, we. We what got. I missed is Henry
0: Miller. The top story was Henry Miller. Is that how we're starting?
1: Redbud. Yeah, we Miller. led with that. We we led with that. Um. No, listen, JT. He actually timed Anderson's segment times in that section where he took uh, Blake Baggett down. And uh, the stopwatch doesn't lie, does it, JT?
2: Nope. If you want to uh, read my breakdown column on uh, Tuesday, it'll have more info. But I did every lap that they showed Anderson, which there was, uh, I believe, six laps. Six or seven laps. I'd have to go back and look at my notes. But, um, yeah, stopwatch doesn't lie, folks. So if you want to argue it, if you want to be on the side of Grant Langston, who thought there was absolutely no intention, and you could never blame Jason Anderson for that or any intention or even a thought, he had no idea Blake was there. Why would he do anything? Uh, I will have uh, I'll have something to say about that.
0: Uh, yeah, Jay, you, you texted us that, that uh, those split times earlier today, and I was I was actually less than fifty percent thinking those numbers came from you, but it actually did.
2: Oh yeah. Oh no, I sat here with the oh. uh, with my wow. remote and my stopwatch and I did it over and over and over and I had to I did about I would say 6 times of each lap. Um just to just to get a, a mean for, you know, to make sure because I'm doing it by hand. So wow. you know, and then I averaged each each lap of those, you know, five six times to get a a mean for each lap and then I compared all those and I they were actually remarkably close every time but the first lap that was in question.
1: Uh, you're breaking up a little bit, JT, so if you're moving around,
0: stay where you were or whatever. Um,
2: I wasn't, but I, so I will try to fix that.
1: Can,
0: the only reason I wasn't sure so if it was you doing it, I mean, I didn't think that you're not capable of doing it, but I just know there are many people that you're friends with that A, have a dog in the fight, or B, are just, like, super fans. Like, I could just see just for just for fun someone like Truman doing it or or, or Parabino for someone. You know, whenever there's a hot topic that any of us are into. So I'm impressed. This is all. This is 100% JT production.
2: So, yeah, uh, and, and we, honestly, it was. I, I want to write about it on Tuesday, and I know enough, yes. having written for Racer X, you know, for four or five years now. I know enough. You better have your facts straight. Oh yeah. Uh, otherwise, oh, yeah. people are just going to say you're biased, you're. and you help that team, and he wears the gear of your choice, and all these things, which which are true, and those those are fair assumptions to jump to. So I've gotta have uh I've gotta have everything lined up and, and state it correctly so I can say why all those things are true, sure, but what do you have to say about the
1: stopwatch? Um stopwatch so we we, yep. we uh basically I don't think Anderson you know meant to take Baggett crashing down and hurting his thumb, but uh there was a little bit of intent there. And I and I agree with it. After watching it uh, some replays of it I was, at at the race, I was like, "Uh, okay, no big deal. And then kind of watching it again, um, yeah, I I thought that uh, Anderson wanted to make the pass with a little bit of oomph because it was Blake Baggett. Uh, What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I just can't imagine that all of a sudden, knowing Anderson's rep, knowing Anderson's rep specifically with Baggett in previous years, knowing that Anderson is battling Baggett in points for the championship, and knowing that there's been a little extra animosity as of late due to some of the baggage comments, I cannot imagine that when you put all of that together, that suddenly Anderson is going to take those, what, four or five huge factors and just say, no, I'm going to just be as – they would not do that at all. All of a sudden today I'm going to turn it off. This is like – this is where – this is one of Anderson's strengths. This is where it could be at its most useful arguably in his entire career because he is in the hunt for this title and all of a sudden he's going to just take that away. He's going to turn that off. Like, I mean, of course he's going to do something. So to me, the idea that he, there is zero intent, zero, not any, he didn't slow down one mile an hour extra. It just doesn't seem conceivable to me knowing everything that's on the line, the animosity that there's been between these guys in the past, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or, or just the fact that he can make up points this way. Like, I don't think some guys race that way, but I could see Anderson being like, hey, I'll just make it a little difficult on him, and if he falls down, that'll help me. If he doesn't, okay, that's fine, too. But so that's what I think it is. I, I mean, it certainly wasn't blatant. I don't think you could – I think it would be crazy to call it a takeout. But, uh, yeah, I think there was just a little something extra on it. Um, I mean, I don't want to judge too much. I mean, this is not – I feel like it's not my place here. I, I feel like these arguments are not winnable. And I don't, I'm not passionate enough on either side. And people get so fired up. I feel like a lot of times we're, the three of us are some of the few pundits that there are in this sport. And I think that puts a lot of extra pressure on us to have an opinion because there aren't, you know, in other sports, you can go to Fox Sports One and watch 180 people weigh in all day long. So it just gets lost. But with us, what we say, people listen to exponentially more because there aren't enough other opinions out there. So. I don't want to weigh in too much on this. I feel like Anderson did a little something. Was it blatant? Does it dirty? I don't know. I don't think he could go that far. But I think there was intent to at least mess with him a little bit and kind of see what happens. And if he goes down, as Drago would say, if he dies, he dies.
1: <laughs> it's still beneath the. Uh, it is still beneath the universe takeout in Thunder Valley. As far as like what, what? I'm just. Oh, of course. Guys. Yeah, it's I mean, the Thunder
2: route. Valley universe takeout was as blatant and as transparent as it gets.
0: <laughs> yeah, it well, wasn't. Take. To I mean, of the people I involved, a takeout got to seabone to go. the guy. you got to hit the guy in the side, I think, for it to be classified as a takeout. Or for a brake check takeout, you have to be right, the wheels. The wheels have to practically stop moving. I mean, I think all Anderson did was maybe stay on the brakes a little longer than he needed to and maybe get on the gas a little later than he needed to. But he didn't mm-hmm. stomp on the brakes and make him hit. No, he, he didn't but. even
2: touch the brakes. And, and when you come down, that, come down that section, he knew where Blake was because they were basically side by side. And he also yeah. knows where the lines converge because, yep. you know, he's a very smart racer. He's one of the best racers on earth. You know where the lines converge at. So he knew Blake was going to have to come back into that line. So yeah. as Blake converged back into the line, he just slowed the pace. You can see him. He doesn't gas it. He doesn't break. Yeah. He's just kind yep. of there. Yeah, um, And it's pretty compelling. If if actually you go back and watch uh, Blake and Marv um, trying to, I think it was in the first moto uh, are battling and it's the same scenario. Blake goes outside, Marv goes inside, and they're not even close to each other because Marv makes no intention of waiting or slowing down. And they just, you know, Marv's gone and Blake comes through and, and things are just, that's how it's supposed to go. But, you know, and, and I don't, I don't really blame Jason so much. You know, I can understand where the animosity and the, the competitive spirit and however you want to phrase it. Um, and I don't, you know, if he wants to go in and take Blake out, he could do that. And I don't think that was in t- his intention. My bigger point was just the fact when GL says, ah, I don't think, I don't think he meant to do anything there. There was nothing out of the usual there. I, I, I just can't subscribe to that.
1: Well, JT, there's a few people we met that were like, yeah, I was with, G- I was with GL last night. You know, so that, maybe that explained some of his, you know, not being as sharp as he normally is.
0: That's all.
1: <laughs> it is yeah, Redbud. GL's always in it the It is Redbud.
0: Red. Yeah. Uh, um, as Redbud said, or uh, as GL said, I don't on have his a huge uh, opinion in either, either direct. I feel like Go
2: ahead. Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that, as GL said on his Instagram, and I believe Redbud would feel the same, GL said that Bud never disappoints, and I would bet that Redbud, if they had an Instagram, would say that GL never disappoints.
0: Yeah. That is fair. That is fair. All I'm saying is I don't have an opinion super strong. Like, I feel like sometimes we have a gun to our head. Like, what do you guys think? What do you guys think? I don't have an opinion super strong either way. Like, yeah, I don't think Anderson rode to the corner exactly like he did every other lap. I mean, there was a small bit of intent. I don't think it was like I'm going to try to murder him in this corner either. Uh, So when it's in between those two bookends, I don't know if you can call it dirty or or what do you want to call it. I got a couple questions, though. JT, answer me this one. Is any of this slightly on Baggett? A, knowing what Anderson has done literally to you yourself in the past, like he's taken Baggett out, there's been some heat, et cetera, et cetera. Is there any part of Baggett that could have been a little more cautious there? And obviously it's tough to slow down in the middle of a battle at the very beginning of the moto. But is there any part of him, I'm like, look, dude, it's the first lap of the race, I just need to just... Just take the position, dude. Or is that not even possible in that situation, the way that
1: No, goes? no,
2: I, I would agree with you 100%. I think you uh, it comes down to knowing who you're racing. Uh, yeah. You know who you can trust, and you know who you can't. And uh, when it comes to a guy like Barsha or Anderson or, you know, uh, Vince Friese, or, uh, you have to race them a certain way. But if you're racing Ryan Bungie or, you know, take your pick, you can kind of uh, basically predict that they're not going to do anything out of you know unpredictable. So I I do put a little bit of the blame on Blake there. He's got to know who he's dealing with and, and hostility uh, Anderson harbored for Blake.
0: So yeah, you
1: you can't you can't basically leave anything. All right, we're losing you,
0: JT. Move over I'm or off. something. You know, it kind of reminded me of that first lap of that moto. Um, you know, Baggett was obviously very good in the first moto toward the end. He didn't win it, but uh, w- when he got the whole shot, I was like, well, okay. He screwed up the beginning of that first moto. If he doesn't do that again, if he's got the track wired again, he's going to try to run away here. Like, he had the opportunity. Like, Tomac didn't have a very good start. He was in the lead. He had yeah, gotten the opportunity he was looking for. It reminds me of this you know, when you're watching a football game and the team picks it off and the defender's trying to run the ball back, and you're kind of like, all right, get some yards as you want, but most importantly, just go down and hold on to the ball. Don't screw this up. You got the interception. You got what you wanted. Don't try to get mm-hmm. here and cough the ball up. I like with Baggett, when he had the whole shot, Barsha got around him, and Anderson got around him. I'm like, okay, don't cough the ball up now. You're still ahead of Tomac. It's the first lap of the race. You're faster than Anderson in a lot of these races. You're faster than Barsha a lot of these races. Just manage the situation here. Don't fumble the ball now, but he ended up fumbling. And again, I'm not putting all the blame on him, but it's just this is this one's very, uh, very in the middle because it doesn't involve a complete T-bone takeout. Um, but I understand his first lap; it's probably hard to tell yourself to not be in a rush, you know, especially yep. the way the first I, motor I went.
1: Agree. I agree, 100. Let's uh, let's get JT back on the line.
0: Let me ask uh, – the bombs are bursting in the air behind me. we got fireworks going on. Um, JT, one other scenario I want to throw out here. Um, one particular uh, set of people um, that operates the team bag it is on, as you'd imagine, they're a little more fired up than some others. Uh, so one theory I had emerge from there is uh, – Michael Byrne told me this. He's like, those lines don't come together. Every single moto there was a line on the inside and the outside. The only reason Anderson was in that line is because he jumped out of the inside line road out of the inside to get to the outside to get to Blake. And when I heard that, I'm just thinking, well, I'd have to go back and watch now to see if that's – I don't remember that corner being that way, but maybe he's right. So I haven't been able to go back. But he's saying that Anderson should have never been out there. There's a clear inside line that everyone took, and he went out of that outside. He started on the inside and went to the outside to get the Blake.
2: Uh, I would disagree. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've watched it probably more than anyone at this point and right. I would disagree. Yeah. I think I think Jason was in the main line. Um, I did talk to Berner about this today, and I know he was upset with GL saying that basically Blake should have hopped out of his line, you know, to yeah. to get away from Anderson. Uh, yeah. I know Berner was, was a little... I would agree with Berner's opinion that you can't jump out of the line. Those ruts are really deep. You can't really see him from yeah. TV from that angle, but yeah. you're kind of locked in there. Uh, so, yeah, I if indeed he was saying that Jason jumps lines to get to Blake. I I would disagree after watching it multiple times.
0: Yeah, I Um, haven't. Let
1: me ask you this, Weege, though. Like, we all, we both think, and we'll move on to 250s right away. I don't want to break this thing down too much. But, Weege, if I'm the coster, I'm 100% pulling Bobby Hewitt and Anderson aside and being like, really? Really? Because of what we saw in Vegas near the end of Supercross season and all that, which, by the way, the KTM Husky Alliance has other teams not happy. But my response to that is go buy another OEM and start it then if you're upset. Um, but anyways, uh, if I'm the coster, I'm I'm pulling Baggett and Anderson aside. Don't, don't you agree? Pulling Anderson and
0: Hewitt aside. I'm sorry, pulling Anderson and Hewitt aside. Well, I don't know what you're talking about because uh, everyone at the two companies say that they're not related at all. They're not not uh, no- nothing. There's nothing in it. So why would that? What, what control it, is Roger it, the Totally different brand, totally different motorcycle, everything's different.
1: Yep, yep. Even though Ryan yep. Dungy thanked Husqvarna at the press conference in Vegas?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how the Alden Baker, um, how the Baker factory is an exclusive to both KTM and Husky Riders when they're two totally different companies with totally different motorcycles, totally different everything. <laughs> um, but that's what they tell me. They, they really don't like it when oh. we ever say that they're connected. There, there's no connection at all according to the two. Uh, the only connection I know of is the parking lot that's literally between their two headquarters with, like, a walkway. Like, you can... The gate's open, so you can clearly walk from one building to the next, no problem. But they're not the same company at all. But, yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's a problem there, and it dawned okay. on me later on that I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Baggage on a KTM in the points lead. And this cost him dearly, like, I don't know how worried you guys are, but, like... To me this is this is majorly detrimental. Like this could be the end. Only because he's now thirteen points down on Tomac who's now back in a roll and we know Tomac's good and Tomac usually kills Southwick and he's got a bad thumb. That is that's a yeah. big hit. Now I, I believe that ba- I think Baggett was gonna win that moto. When he got the whole shot, I'm like, I think he's got this. So Well so do I you go from, he
1: didn't really agree, surprisingly, but I, I really said the same thing. I agree, I think it was over, like but was I good. think Tomek if you have trouble getting around Barcia and Anderson and, and Baggs was If you give sprint.
2: If you give him the whole shot, if you give him the whole shot, sure. But he had already lost the whole shot. He was already the third. So I think he was going to have to face the same thing that Tomac had to
0: face. Yeah, okay, true. yeah, fair enough. I don't know those last couple laps of that first one. I'm just like, oh, he can get these, dudes. But you're right. Um, whatever, man. Even if he finishes second, or if he wins the moto, like you're just looking at. No thumb injury, and the points are pretty much a wash for the weekend. He's down a few or up a few. But 13 down, going into Southwick, so that Tomac was so good, he beat Rockman last year, even in a not good year for Tomac. And you're hurt. Yeah, that's um,
2: that's uh, basically, when you before you got on, I was kind of alluding to that. It's kind of the trifecta of, oh, shit, you know. Yes. Now I'm hurt. Yes. Now I'm hurt. Now I have a 13-point deficit, and I'm going into one of Eli's best tracks. <laughs> that's just as, yeah. about as bad as it gets. I mean.
0: Anything can happen but we could go into the break with Tomac on a five moto win streak and with a twenty some point lead. That's not good if you're and all we're rooting for obviously oh. what we have loved is the parity and the competition we've seen this year. So we can quickly see it slipping away. But you know, it's been a crazy season, there's What's no guarantee that Tomac gets it this weekend.
1: I want it to keep close because I want Weij to keep Having being accused by the other side of being in the pocket oh. of the other side. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. it's fantastic. Like people have, are now reaching the point where they're saying that we just—it's obvious, quote unquote—in quotations, it's obvious we just favoring one rider or the other on TV.
0: I love it. Keep it up, everybody.
2: He didn't even talk about Web this weekend. How could you not talk about Web this weekend? <laughs> True. <That's real. laughs>
0: There's even, uh, uh, you know, dude, even in Supercross, I mean, there was a clear, you know, are you on Team Dunge or Team Tomac? So now we're, you got to be a clear team bag of Team Tomac. I mean, you just can't win it. You cannot win those. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, whatever. It's but just, I, must part, I
1: must have missed the part where, where any of us benefited from any of these dudes winning. I must have missed that part because the last I checked, nothing changes in my life. Uh, for any of these riders winning like nothing absolutely nothing changes um one way or another so uh, i i but yet all all of the teams their lives change and things happen for them good and bad and and everything else but but it's us we the media are the ones that have the you know that are biased i don't understand that but it's great i love it especially
0: wygant he gets all the shit yeah, I mean, I'm on the air for four hours. You can't say nothing. You have to say something. And it's like any – if if you come in with a bias already because you work for a team, there's no way you're going to agree with everything i going say. I can't say nothing. Um, even if I – honestly, it comes down to if you sound too excited, say, about baggage last few laps or you don't sound excited enough. Like I, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not even the words you say. It's even how you say them. Sorry, we got a grand finale going here. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Or maybe that's for Canada Day.
1: Yeah, it's for Canada, it's
0: left over. Um, do you do
1: that? Do they have fireworks? Uh, yeah, we have fireworks, yeah yeah, big deal. Oh. We had Bono and the Edge up here celebrating even though I must have missed the part where they were Canadian, but Bono and the Edge came to Ottawa to celebrate Canada Day.
0: So yep. Canadian.
1: Um, okay, so Maybe they're uh, maybe they're uh, part we, of the UK. Yeah, that's it. Before we get to um the two fifty class, Swedish a few words at all, if you want, on uh, Nick Way, Dakota Tedder, any of that battle. We touched on it, but um, anything that you ha- would like to add to that?
0: I don't think so, only because I didn't really see it at all. Um, I mean, you have to be at the race like you are watching the tower. You can pick what you want to watch. We didn't we didn't have it much on TV. So. Nah, nothing else mm-hmm. too much from the 450s. Um, I mean, it's just the rest of that class is pretty closely matched. Like, if you try to pick who's better between Bogle, Tickle, um, Sealy, Barsha, Pike, Wilson. You know. uh, who's the best? Who will, who will get fifth overall out of that group every weekend? Good luck. Uh,
1: by the way, Tickle went down in, in practice and hurt his shoulder. And then he went down again the first turn, so in case anybody's wondering kind of what happened to Tickle this weekend, uh, shoulder mm. practice injury. So, Okay. Um, Alright, Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast. This is the Red Bud Wrap-Up. Uh, listen to this. Uh, no, we're not going to put the commercials in. It's too much work, but uh race tech suspension, use called code of X seventeen to save at Race Tech, Motor and Engine Services, and also two Michelin Star Cross Five, uh, a good great tire for by those guys. And uh we'll go right into the two fifties. Um so here is the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, uh presented by Alpine Star for Tech. We thank the folks at Fly Racing uh for coming on here with Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Two fifties now from Red Bud. So Yeah. We didn't get it done, J T. We we looked great. We were gonna go three one on the day and we made a small mistake. And um you know, we'll take second, but uh man, it was it was our race.
2: Yeah, it's uh for you guys, um, it was tough for, for Alex Martin to give uh, you know, toss away a moto win, which is obviously a big deal, but then the points as well. Um I think he ended up losing seven points on the day, but he could have uh he could have you know flipped that script a little bit and left there you know I don't know if it would have been even but it would it would have been close to what he came in with so um difficult day it had to be you know i'm sure as he laid in bed uh last night, I'm sure he was uh upset with himself and frustrated, but you know if you're going for the win, things like that are gonna happen. Uh, it's not the end of the world, but, you know, he needs to, as he stated in his, his interviews, he needs to start bringing these points back to a reasonable number, and uh, that's just a tough way to go about it. You know, you're in the right spot, you've done everything you need to do, and then you make a silly mistake and, and actually uh, increase the points lead.
1: But, Weech, like with Mart's crash and J-Mart's, uh, again, pulled the whole shot, second moto, and went down the second turn. And Joey Savace throwing away some wins in Supercross. Like, he's riding awesome. He's killing it. But it's also just wacko zacko's year, man. Like, that's it, right?
0: Yeah, that's actually what Langston said even on the show. Like, sometimes it's just your year. Yeah, there's no doubt. I hadn't really put that together. You're right, with the way Savace threw points away. And let's not forget that even after Savace crashed in Vegas, Jordan Smith had it completely in his grasp, and he crashed it away, too. You know, Osborne was—I mm-hmm. don't think—going to catch him uh, in Vegas. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that have just fallen in his favor. But I don't know. To me, so much is the very definition of making your own luck. I mean,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Also, Osborne, outside of uh, outside of the first turn crash in Detroit, which you know really wasn't his fault at all, he's been the very definition of minimizing the damage. Like he doesn't give you any bad races. Like if he had a 15th in a Moto somewhere it wouldn't be so bad for uh, A-Mart or uh, J-Mart here, but it's like he's doing so damn well, it's really making it hard. You can't afford any mistakes. But, hey, that's the second time J-Mart had a whole shot in the second moto and, you know, very likely would have won and did not because he crashed. So, yeah. I mean, what more can you say? But you can't do that. You just can't do that. But they know that. They don't need me to say it.
1: Yeah, yeah. That first moto was good, though, man. That was a really cool moto. Now, look, they weren't yeah. swapping back and forth, climbing each other, but – that was pretty cool. J-Mart, Osborne, a Take taking off.
0: I just like when you get those two, for example, hooked up, or even those three, I mean, those are three guys who, they just thrive on the, they're just gnarly guys, you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're going, yeah. those are three guys that are going to leave it all on the track. And when you know that's what's going to happen, and you're like, man, how is these last five minutes or ten minutes going to go? I mean, Osborne tries as hard as anybody. J-Mart tries as hard as anybody. That's kind of cool when you get a battle of wills like that where, I mean, Osborne is not going to give up. He's not going to stop trying, and J-Mart is not going to want to let him get him. It's pretty cool to see that.
1: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Mitchell Harrison, JT, led some laps, looked like he was going to win. Osborne took it away from him, and seven-two on the day, and he was stoked on the podium and everything. It's was pretty cool to see, but that's an unlikely winner.
2: Yeah, he should be stoked, man. That was an incredible ride from him. I, I want, I don't want to say out of nowhere, but I don't think anybody expected, you know, that level of performance from him. That was, that was great. I mean, good for him. Uh, I know it's, it's, you know, contract time and all that stuff. So what a great time to put in a ride like that in front of his home crowd. And I mean, this was a guy that had to go try out to get his spot on that team. You know, so uh, that was just incredible. I I was seriously was watching the race like. Like he's not backing into this thing like he is on the gas. I mean he was catching Amart. Yeah. Amart even made mention of he was that Harrison was catching him and, and I, I don't know, forced him into a mistake. But mm-hmm. man, you know that's that's a high level, high performance ride, and hopefully he can build from that and uh give him the confidence he needs to, to be in the mix each and every weekend.
1: So uh eight t- uh, no uh I'm not good at math, but it's a lot of points right now. It's 30. I think it's
2: 38.
1: 30, 38, 38 points for Osborne right now. Fly Racing Zone, Zach Osborne, by the way. Um, he killed it. He rode He he just he works for the pack. he past these guys. Um, you know, Amar told me too that uh, they made a they made some frame mods on his bike that uh, really helped out. And uh, since Lakewood, and and he says it's really been. A big change for him, JT, going from aluminum frame all those years to a steel frame and the way a bike handles and works. And and uh, they were trying and searching and searching and searching, and finally they discovered like a frame mod, nothing illegal or anything. They I mean, did totally look in the rules. And uh, he says he loves it. Great. Adds the stiffness back into the frame. Huh?
2: I wonder what they could do that would be legal. Maybe gusset it or something. I don't know. I mean, that's.
1: Yeah, exactly. We no, say that exactly.
2: I'm like, oh, do you really want to share that with everyone?" Because
1: no, no, no. you can gust it. you can go.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Generally, frame mods are not legal, but you can you can add things, strengthen it, you know. But a lot of times, it makes it worse. Um, yeah,
1: that's
0: interesting. Yeah.
1: yeah, if you add weight to it, you're fine, Gusted. I think the
0: golden rule they always say is uh, with the frames, you can add material, you just can't take away. I think that's what they generally right. go by.
1: Um, there'd be no way anybody's cheating with those aluminum frames. Like any of the OEM Japanese guys that make frames like all the time, like that doesn't happen. Does it, JT? Oh,
2: no, no, never, never,
0: ever. No, 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 Chad,
2: okay. Chad, okay. Watts didn't, uh, Chad Watts definitely wasn't alluding to the fact that he was riding the fence on what was legal and not legal back in the Carmichael days. Right.
1: Yeah. No, no, I don't think anybody does that. No, no. Um, and, and there no, should be never. no drug testing. There's no PEDs, There's no PEDs, So no drug testing can be done at all. Um, so, yeah, uh, we each, j like, if, if he loses this thing, and it's not looking great, I mean, he's he's third in the points. He's he's pretty far down. Um, if J-Mart loses this thing, though, he's going to be able to point to Lynn Helen, second moto, Hangtown, first moto, where his bike broke, now uh, Redbutt, second moto, and just be like, I might have left 55 points, 60 points on the board right there.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, wow! You know, so the in Hank two motos,
0: one. he's actually left more than two motos worth of points. That's incredible. It was wow. three motos. And no, three motos. motos.
1: Hangtown uh, first sorry. moto, Glen Helen second moto, Redbud second moto. Three
0: motos. Oh, sorry. Okay, not just the first time crashes, but the bike braking. Yeah, I, the bike braking, I mean, yeah, you can't do anything about that. I would say the one you kick yourself over is the one you do have control over, which are the two. Yeah, two crashes. But, like I said, it's only because Osborne hasn't had any bad ones. And I've got to imagine out of 24 of these, at some point, something's going to have to go wrong for Zach Besides, like starting 13th and and managing to get a fifth. Like, there's going to have to be something worse. I mean, he'll probably give them one bad moto to get into it. But the problem is they're now well over a moto behind.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, uh, R.J. Hampshire, rode well. First moto had a mechanical and second moto. They changed out everything, and he had a mechanical. First turn into the race, so RJ Hampshire, not a good day. And he broke it. Did he not break at Muddy Creek? Right? Yeah, he did. Did he a mechanical, yeah. at Muddy too? Yep. So, yeah. three out of the last four for RJ. Not so good. JT, would you like to comment on Cameron Mcadoo? Uh, I
2: was pretty bitter, um, but once I realized he crashed and hurt himself, and yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Comment negatively on that. That's, that stuff happens. I, I was thinking that he just pulled off, but he's hurt. So, yeah, he gets a, he gets a pass, obviously.
1: Um, How about Luke Resblind, JT? Second moto. Sixth event. Yeah, it was good, right? Pass? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Did yeah, so he plays. Up fifth? Fifth in the
1: moto? Six. Maybe? That's six. Sixth, yeah.
2: But he was good, man. I mean, you know, we were, I was watching the moto and then all these group texts and stuff, and it was just, uh, yeah, Mitchell Harrison and uh, Luke Rensland, you know, running just two and three, no big deal. Nothing to see here. Everything's normal. You know, it's just one of those, like, weirdo motos. All, you know, everything, kind of the world was flipped upside down where it had all these guys at the front that you're not used to seeing. But it's cool to have a change like that. It's nice to see these guys that are back there, you know, in the in the teams most of the time up there uh, pushing the pace. And, and they were earning it. I mean, they were going fast, so good for them.
1: And, uh, Liege, maybe this is what Justin Hill needs the fifth place. You know, he picked his bike up in the first turn in the first moto, and you're like, there he goes again. And in second moto, he gets a bit of a break with that crash, and he gets that fifth. We've been waiting for Hill to do anything this outdoors. Maybe, maybe this is it.
0: Yeah, and he actually, in an interview at Georgia, uh, I could believe before the first moto, just said, like, yeah, I would just like to get a start once. And then by coincidence, we went into commercials showing, um, some clips from previous races this year and like the very first clip that comes on right after he says that is a shot where you literally see Forkner, Savacci, and AC going into the first turn in like second, third and fourth. And there's no sign of him anywhere. Right? Um, Like, I don't, I think we all know better than to just say he's good starts away from being awesome this season. Like I, I, he's just not doing that well in general. (laughs) The starts haven't helped. I think there's more to it than that. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's something. I think what we learn is there's a there's an old saying about the class, whether it was the 125 or now the 250s. You hear a lot like any of those guys in the top 20, if they can start third or fourth, they can just run the pace of the dudes around them. I've seen it over and over. You know, how many rookies come in and you're like, man, this guy's really fast. He's got top five speed. You get top five starts. There's 20 guys in that class that can stay in fifth for most of the moto. So. I think we just saw another example of that. Like, if Rensling could get those starts all the time, he'd probably run like that all the time. It's amazing how that class works.
1: Um, one of the cool things about Red Bud is, is a lot of people watch from the announcers' Tower. There's a little second level where a lot of us could sit up there and watch. And it's uh, all wives, girlfriends, moms, dads, coaches. And so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Johnny O was up there. You know, he's working with Savachi. And Johnny's pretty cool and pretty honest. And I'm asking him, and he's just – He's at a loss, JT, on what's going on with Joey. He's just like, yeah, like, I can't point at anything Johnny was saying and be like, hey, improve this. I can't point to anything, but it's just not working right now.
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's clearly not going well, and it's been, uh, you know, it's been so hit and miss, which is weird. You look at, look at Hangtown, he comes out, and he struggles, and you're kind of like, well, that makes sense. You know, Vegas was – super hard on him and kind of can understand how that's going to be tough. But then you go to Lakewood and he wins, you know, he's just so great. Uh, And then it just hasn't gone well. He had some bike issues here and there too, and it hasn't all been his fault. But I don't know either. And, and you know, it's pretty telling when his trainer doesn't know, um, you know, who knows if he's holding something back from you. But, man, I, I don't have any answers for you. You know, it's, he's he's better than what he's doing right now. I can I can tell you that. Uh, it's it's weird how far off he is right now.
1: Osho was up there. Roxon was up there. Six time. Stanton was up there. It was great. Lots of info. Uh, I also had uh, uh, Jeremy Albrecht was up there and uh, was uh, telling me Weege and JT. Uh, man, Cunningham. Man, he just. He can't figure it out. He's fast. But, you know, he crashes, and then he works his way back up from outside the 20th, and he's going really good, and then he crashes again. And he's fast, but he just crashes. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got that. For that. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I think, JT, like if you're j you've never paid a lot of attention to Kyle Cunningham, right? Because you, you have your own team. But... It's really, it's really interesting to see somebody's eyes opened up like this for the first time. He was basically, he was basically, you know, frustrating with Kyle Cunningham, and you know he's a good dude, he's a good kid and good guy, and and he's fast. And just <laughs> to hear J Bone tell me about the problems he has on the track, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Jay
0: Bone. laughs> I love how even in this relatively small sample size, you know essentially outdoors at least, six races that he's then been able to sum up his entire, like, 10-year career.
1: <laughs> right, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, he's he's fast. He tries hard. He just he makes it so hard on himself. He just crashes and comes up and crashes again. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah. I think I've seen that. Um, AC left his bike in neutral off the start in the first moto.
0: A.T. Oh, God. So
1: he claimed that's, uh, that's not going to work out. Usually he, he told me it was in second, man, but it must be like some sort of false neutral or something. I'm like, uh, probably <laughs> not, man, <laughs> but I didn't really want to break it to him. So that's pretty that's what good. What He gets for flipping me off in the morning, like full on in front of fans. Just give me the, the, yep. the flip off sign.
2: That's what happens. Instant karma. Um, hey,
0: you talked. He said you talked to Mitch after the race, right? I didn't get to listen to your podcast, but you you talked to him?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I talked to is he him
0: yeah. super, is he super bummed? Like it's not working out. Um he's got An unbelievably loaded team and it's not working out.
1: Yeah, you know, he puts on a pretty good face in the interviews and everything, you know, he says they're gotta be better, but they're working hard and and they're trying and you know, they need to get some starts and you know, like he he's pretty uh he's pretty honest about everything. But, um, yeah, it's just not, I mean, yeah, no, I, he he wasn't that frustrated, we used to be honest, publicly,
0: like in the interview. Huh. So. If you had told anybody before this series season began that all four pro circuit rogers would be uninjured, yet basically just really not in title contention anymore by red butt, by six races, they're already so far down a point that it's just not looking good for any of them. There's no way you'd believe that.
1: Yeah, you know, one theory I ran by him, like I said, look, maybe this theory is is dumb because you guys had a great Supercross season. I said, but it's a brand new bike, you know, and outdoors taxes a bike like no other, and you learn a lot of things about a motorcycle doing two thirties. So maybe you know, maybe something like that. And he wasn't really having
0: that either, but he he, he somewhat right. agreed with me that the bike that wasn't was that was my enough. theory just because that was my theory just because it seems like. They've all gone up and down almost together. Uh, their good races are the same. It's kind of weird.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: they yeah. all struggle on the same day. So I was thinking something like that too. Right, um,
1: JT. Anything else on two fifties?
2: Um, not really. My, uh, I got Plessinger lost some points to the uh, Troll Train.
1: hmm so. Yeah. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Troll Train. We we needed that win though. That sucked. You know? But
2: Yeah, um, I think uh, I think there's something too the um you know, I've heard this theory thrown around, Gio even mentioned it on the race, but I know Chad Reed is a big subscriber to this is when it's your year, it's just your year and things are gonna go your way the whole time. You don't even have to do anything crazy, you're just gonna catch the brakes. Like A-Mark crashing and Jmart falling over multiple times on the first lap and bikes breaking and just seems yeah. like that's kind of how it's going for Zacco. One
1: thing I will say though, and Weed, you can maybe touch on this because you, you do the press conferences uh, more than I go in them. But so we have animosity in, in the 450 class, pretty good right now. But Plessinger, whenever he does well, he's just laughing up there. He can't answer anything without laughing. And Kmart and Amart and Osborne, like they seem to have the ultimate respect for each other. They they I saw all three of them talking outside the media tent after the press conference. Um that class, Cynthia class Wygan, is uh they're bros. Oh maybe broses. They're literally bros with Alex and Jeremy. Literally bros. But um they're they're pretty good friends. And nobody hates Osborne.
0: you know? Maybe uh, some uh, of the pro circuit guys do. I think some people do.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. You know what? That's a bad word. Yeah. Kawasaki hates Osborne. But besides
0: that, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they invented the three laps to go flag or whatever it is for Osborne. Oh, it's going uh, crossbones. Yeah, it's Osborne. Yeah, Scully But um, but I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't check. What you don't think that Anderson, Tomac, and Baggett were just throwing down behind the tent after the press conference last week at Money Creek? No, no, I do not think so. No. Oh, okay. No. Okay. No, we've, that's been a frequent topic. Uh, we have a conference call every week for the TV show. and That's been a frequent topic, um, how these press conferences, it's just hilarious the difference between the 250 class. And to be honest, I've been to, if there's been a post-race press conference, I've pretty much been to it in the last 15 years. Like I either host them or I have to go. That uh, has been a constant, no matter who the riders are. I remember in the, 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 the sport has never had more tense moments than when you had Chad, Do and RC in the press conference weekly just breathing fire. And, like, who can say I'm going to work hard this week for? And Jeff Spencer in the back of the room and Alden and Big James. Like, it just was ridiculous. And then Bill Stapps and Langston would come bebopping in and just make fun of each other and talk about chicks. And it was just like, how is this the same? Like, we're in the same room doing the same thing four minutes ago. It was like, cut the tension with a knife. It's something about the 250 class. It's always more laid back when it comes to that stuff.
1: Do you uh, – I guess Anderson – someone said Anderson made a remark on social about, like, cutting the track and then hashtag observations, like I'll keep cutting the track or something. I don't know. Keep trying, I guess. I don't think it's going well, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> did you guys see that or read that or something? Somebody told me that. I don't
0: think I follow them, but. So I saw an Instagram post um, and a picture of him, I think. He he made a comment just making fun of the overall deal of going off the track. I don't remember seeing one that mentioned. Yeah, all, I didn't I, see either. I might have missed cool. it, that's all. Yeah. All right, all right.
1: Um Yeah, it's tense. It's tense up there, um, for sure. So, uh, All right, uh, let's wrap this Fly Racing Racer X podcast up. 450, 250 Red Bud wrap-up. I just want to know where Kathy Tomac got beads from after going to lot B. That's all I want to know.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very not what you'd expect. Very not what you'd expect. And it, <laughs> you Tomac, I, I think they're more on the Kathy experience than, than Eli winning the race. Like, Eli came over, they had pictures, they had videos, they wanted to show us, her playing flip cup. They were so excited about yeah. this. Yeah.
1: Eli's pretty yep. social when he... When he's around and talking about everything but racing, like about his own racing and stuff, like I don't know if he doesn't like to talk. Like we were talking about Nick Way, and he was into it. You know, he wanted oh, to talk really? to Nick Way and how Nick was doing everything else earlier in the day.
0: But so Eli is the least known about of like anyone at his level. Like I challenge anyone to just tell me something about him. I guess I guess uh, I guess R. V. was like that at this stage of his career too. Like you had nothing. RV had that little thing going where he buys guns every time he wins a race, and that was about no one had anything on him. There's just not much. Like, what is there to Um, Eli?
1: Have we ever sent – have you ever, JT, maybe you can chime in too, has anybody ever read like a media guy who's like gone to the house and like embedded themselves with Eli and John and, and like kind of did a story or a video? Has that ever happened? Have we seen that? Not, not off the
2: bike. Of. Not off the bike. I've seen you know lots of riding videos at his house, but not off the bike.
1: Yeah, yeah. I meant like a you know like a like a lifestyle thing. Or so. Like I feel like if you did go there in the media, you guys ever seen that Ice T movie, The Game? Or, not The Game, yeah. but it was something where Ice T was uh, picked up and dropped in the forest, and a bunch of rich people hunted him to kill him. You know, um, I feel like I might say, hey, Eli, like, I'm going to come and hang out. and We're going to, you know, really get to know you and your dad and hang out. And I feel like I would be like iced tea in that movie, you know, so.
2: <laughs> I think that may be a little bit harsh.
1: Like, hey, Matt, people yeah, are
0: out scared, in other words, to go.
1: Go out of these trees, Matt, and just, like, walk around a little bit. Put this orange vest on while you're at it. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We saw what he did with those number plates of all the competitors, right?
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Well, now he probably has Target logos on on his Target because that was, that was what he was trying to hunt and kill this year, not an orange vest. Put this, put this Target uh, red shirt on. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly.
1: Literally yeah. the store Target. Right, I got it, right. Remember
0: Dunge's um, uh, gloves I, I, that used to have the Target on the palms? Yeah. Right, yeah. I'll give you those. And then go out there and put your hands up, dance. Um,
1: yeah. All right, so that's it. Jason Thomas from uh, Fly Racing. Uh, it's the Fly Racing uh, Racer X podcast. Presented by Alpine Star Protects. Uh, thanks, boys. And uh, oh, the uh, word of the day. We, we you want to just do it over Twitter or something? Is it, is it too late to come up with one? I just thought about it right now. You, you squeezed in leopard seal. Nice work on that. Yeah, it was. Uh,
0: I couldn't execute it quite the way I wanted to, but. So, unfortunately, it's not going to stick like Cooper Cobber did. I, I, I thought I had the perfect guy with Marv. But uh, Marv was doing some of his, you know, not quite dirty, but probably, you know, not quite dirty, not quite perfect, you know, trying to ride the wide bike. And I'm like, it's like the leopard seal. You know, leopard seal is known as one of the cutest animals that could kill you. And Marvin seems like the nicest guy ever. But he does he does have some teeth to him out on the track.
1: You you were hoping that Marv would come up with
0: leopard seal in the back of his pants and come up with a sticker and t shirts that said leopard seal? I mean, it worked once. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing was as unlikely as as a trooper copper. Nothing was that unlikely. If that can happen anything can happen. Yes, you're The the Leopard Seal. The leopard seal. Marvin (laughs) Muskane.
1: From Supercross, yeah, the voice of Supercross.
0: Yes. Get him. You get your guy, that guy to do the commercials. Send him an extra 50 bucks and, and ask him to just try
1: it. You know what? I might do that. I might do that. We're gonna come up Is with he one of those guy guys that will
0: anything you send him? If you pay him, he'll read
1: it? Yep. I think so. I think so. Like he's Ron really Burgundy? Cool yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: He's just maybe Ron um, Burgundy. So ask him to just like give us leopard seal, Marvin Moosecan.
1: Is it... Uh, Marvin the leopard seal moose or the leopard seal Marvin
0: moose Which one? Uh yeah, it's more awkward when it's in the middle. Because one of the our favorite things of that Voice of God guy, and this shows you how far back this guy goes, was him having to say yogi and making it sound intimidating.
1: Right. <laughs> yogi. Yogi. <laughs> um Alright, word of the day. JT, do we got one or do you want to just do it over text and we'll tweet it out?
2: Um, man, yeah, I don't have anything off the top of my head.
1: No, I don't either. Leopardy was good, though. Alright, well, we'll figure it out. Uh, Jason Wigat, Jason Thomas, thanks, boys. See ya. See ya.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The Dogger, Ron Machine.